care what you heard. Don't care what you heard. I'm taking it all because I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. Yeah, I want the world. All right, what's going on, everybody? Today we have an awesome guest on a topic that I actually really wanted everybody to know more about, and that is sales. Because sales is in everything we do, it's in our day-to-day lives, it is a massive part of everyday life. So uh, would you like to introduce yourself? What's up, Kai? Everybody listening out and listening from home, my name is Andrew Sales, S-A-Y-L-E-S. They call me the head hustler. My my brand is Hustlers Anonymous. So I'm here tonight to share some sales tips. I love it. So one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is because you you did reach out to me and we spoke a little bit before this podcast started. And it sounds like we have a lot of things in common. Um, I did love your background, what you told me a little bit about. Um, So would you mind telling everybody about your background and how you started getting into sales? Yeah, man, I don't want to to bore your listeners with too long of a story or anything. So feel free to cut me off at any point in time. But I have a, a pretty crazy background, you know, a pretty crazy story in general. I grew up selling drugs. I, I sold drugs from 15 to 20. When I was 20, I got caught. These cops beat me up, took my drugs, took my money, and let me go. Well, um, you know, I was, I was 20 at that time. Fast forward, you know, a year later, I was always better than my friends at playing pokers, and I had a little bit of money left still. So I, I started playing poker full time. And so I'm grinding poker, doing pretty well, having sold drugs in probably about two years at this point. And I'm walking through a park and I get stopped by a cop. And he's like, you got a warrant with a $20,000 bond, buddy. So I had a warrant for distribution. I I guess I had a little bit of money saved up from poker. I, I got out of jail. I bonded out. I got myself a lawyer. And he told me to get me off by the time I went to court. But he said I was going to want to have a job. So I... um. You know, I, I reached out to a guy I knew from the poker tables. I hit him up, and I didn't know exactly what he did, but I, I knew he made good money. He, he worked in sales and stuff. And so I was like, hey, man, I, I need a job. And he's like, oh, yeah, man, I got you. Well, I find out later that he told his manager in St. Louis, because he had just so, so happened to be up in the market in St. Louis, he told his manager in St. Louis, I got this kid, Andrew. He's kind of ghetto. He's probably not going to work out, but he's my friend, so we'll give him a shot. And, you know, if you knew me back in those days, I, I'm i 36. I grew up in the 90s, early 2000s, and I always wore, uh, you know, baggy jeans. So I was sagging, wearing a big jersey, hat cocked to the left red rag hanging out of my pocket so yeah i came a long ways here if you knew me back then you could you could understand why they said i was ghetto but um you know i came into this office and there were all these guys going out and they were they were selling cable we were selling cable door to door in those days and there were all these guys in this office making a thousand dollars a week and in those days a thousand dollars in a week was pretty much all the money in the world to me and I didn't know shit about sales and to be honest, but I knew I was better than those guys. So I just got out and I, I hustled hard every day. You know, they'd, they'd take an hour long lunch break, an hour long smoke break, do whatever they wanted to do. And I didn't even have a car in those days. So I'd get dropped off at noon, picked up at nine. I'd, I'd pack a lunch and eat on the curb for 15 minutes and, and go back to knocking. And it, it took me a long time, you know, to be honest. Uh, it took me about. So, so before you begin, real quick, uh, I just wanted to ask, what was your idea of sales from when you were selling drugs and from your first few days at, at this job or your first week or a uh, couple of weeks or however long it was? What was your idea uh, of what sales was in that moment? Man, that's a great question. And nobody's ever asked me that before. But it, it really is funny coming from a a drug selling background right because when you have drugs everybody wants them and and they really sell themselves you just have to have the hustle and and the networking ability so i i knew i sold a bunch of shit even though it was illegal i I knew i sold a bunch of shit so i always thought i could be good at sales but then when i got into to sales i realized man this is hard as shit people people (laughs) don't just want it you know I, i gotta sell it and um, 
but I will say being able to take to take that hustle and transition it into legit sales is, is really what's it works anywhere and it's really what catapulted me and, and kept me going. See, that's something I like myself. It's like at the heart of business and hustle culture, it really is that whole street life. You know, you, you can learn a lot of practical business tips. So that's why, because I, I have a lot of friends who are, you know, they do a lot of stuff on the streets or whatever it is. And I've heard this a few times from them saying like, oh, I don't know about business, man. You know, that that's just not for me. And I'm like, you're doing business right now. <laughs> like, this is exactly the same type of things, you know, like, if you get a product at wholesale, you, you flip it, you whatever it is, and it's like, you know, maybe you have employees or something like that. But it's the same thing. You just apply it to a different business. So it, it always amazes me whenever I hear people on the streets being like, ah, you know, the business life, life isn't for me. It's like you're literally doing it right now. Just apply it, to, you know, to this and said, you know, yeah, you got it. Yeah, man, you're you're pretty spot on to where business is business. Sure, maybe you can't be quite as rough around the edges when you're when you're working in legit business but at the end of the day the fundamentals are the same yeah so go on with your story you were uh, at a job that you I'm guessing you didn't like you were on the curb you know doing your kind of 9 to 5 type thing and then what so uh you know it, it really wasn't a 9 to 5 to be, you know mo I am one of those weird people I I thoroughly enjoy going door to door and I cuz I feel like that sales in its purest form you know cuz mm -hmm. you're showing up at somebody's house unannounced and selling them on something they didn't plan on buying so like you're you're a real salesperson if you're doing that but um so you know we were selling cable door to door at that point in time for a big company called AT&T I'm sure most of your listeners know about them and, um, you know, I, I was doing really well. I, I got my first thousand dollar check about six weeks in, which was a real benchmark for me, you know, a thousand a week, put you in that 50 K a year category. And, um, shortly after that, I got promoted. I was running the office in St. Louis. After that, again, I got promoted uh, a second time and I became a, what was like a pretty much a regional manager role. I was traveling around the country, training, building sales teams, doing all that. And, I was doing amazing and this entire time I, I really felt like I was untouchable because you know here was a guy that came from selling dime bags to to going out and making you know 12 1500 bucks every single week legally so I, I felt like I was a superstar and this whole entire time while I'm traveling on the country I was on probation for for my case selling drugs so like I said I felt I was untouchable I was I was missing appointments with my probation officer when I showed up, I, I, I test positive for weed, marijuana, and eventually they, they touched me. And in 2013, they put me in this rehab program that was in St. Louis County jail. So I had to go to literal jail and I was in there with people that were smoking crack and shooting heroin. And I'm like, I smoke a little bit of weed. And they're like, well, what do you really do? And I'm like, I smoke a little bit of weed. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it sounds crazy to say out loud, but that's really how it went down. But um, it really was a blessing in disguise because the entire time I was locked up, I worked on personal development. I read sales books, motivational books, success books. And when I got out, I hit the ground running. Door to door is a really small community if you're somebody that's had even moderate success in it. But um, my friend had... What? What pushed you to do that, the the sales books and all that? Because a lot of people, when they go into jail, they, they're not thinking about that. You know, they're thinking about when they get out, like going back to selling drugs or going back to their old life. What what made you want to read these books and stuff? Man, that's a great question. And I'm glad you asked that because I had always told myself that I ever came when I got out and, you know, started to get somewhat successful. I'd, I'd pay it for by teaching all our people that were in my position to do the same. But um when I had worked for that, that sales company is called 2020 companies. The, the owner of the company or one of the owners, Bill Roland, he'd be on these conference calls and he'd be talking about how he just fired his, his yacht crew to save himself 30,000 a month. And you know, the, the guy was making like 130 grand a week, you know, whatever it was somewhere in that number range. And I was like, this guy is just insanely successful and I want what he has. And the big thing that he always pushed and said that you need to do 
was you need to be in, in those days in books and in those days we called on tapes it was a couple of years before youtube but he always said you'd be you needed to be in books and tapes so he'd recommend all these sales books success books motivational books and in those days audio books were on on tape and cd so that's what really gave me that push to like all right i'm not doing anything right now i have to sit here for five months i might as well invest in myself and and, and do some self-education and the other thing was when you're in jail a lot of the the dumb shit that's going to get you in trouble goes down during the day so i i wanted to avoid all that so what i did was i'd stay up all night reading books invested in myself and I'd sleep during the day and I'd, I'd avoid the stuff, avoid the stuff that would get me in trouble and maybe keep me in jail longer. And I remember I, I was actually my my first cellmate was a little bit guy that was a little bit older. And the the guard, she came up and asked him, is he sick? Is he OK? That guy just sleeps every day. And my cellmate's like, that guy is insanely intelligent. All he does is read all night and talks about business. He just he just sleeps all day because he's up all night. Um, so, yeah, man, that's what really pushed me. What were some of those? authors or the salespeople you were listening to at the time well i'm guessing it was like tom hopkins or uh jim Rohn or zig ziglar or something like that or who else was it oh boom you man listening to? tom hopkins jim Rohn, zig ziglar all legends they should be in everybody's library uh, my mentor's mentor was brian tracy so i've i've, I've lived mm -hmm. by his books i buy a lot of those i will credit tony robbins awaken the giant within will give me that real mindset shift of when I got out that really helped me hit the ground running. And then um, I, I even read some uh, some Jordan Belfort while I was locked up. Well, that was my second time. I, I should probably shouldn't get too far ahead of myself. But um, he was on the list. Uh, another one is uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. That's a must read for anybody. But but yeah, th those are some, um, some huge ones on the list that I, I think everybody needs to read. And I wanted to say that for anybody listening to, if they wanted to, you know, pick up some of these books, these are a lot of the common people that you hear a lot of that had influences, especially in sales or business. Um, and Tony Robbins, like we, I've mentioned him numerous times in my podcast episodes before. Um, but moving on, so what happened next after that? So you got out of jail. You wanted to move forward with your life. Uh, you, you know, you started getting more into sales. What else happened next? For sure, man. So, well, you know, I was, I was in jail, I got out and my friend had broke off and, and started her own door to door company. And mm -hmm. I, I really hit the ground running within two weeks. I was running an office in Columbia, Missouri, which was like two weeks or sorry, about uh, two hours away from my house. I was literally driving that far every day to, to run my sales team. But within six weeks, I was running offices in Columbia, Missouri and La Crosse, Wisconsin. Well, our client at that time was a company called CenturyLink. They were like a smaller version of AT&T, like the phone company. They had uh, recognized my name from before I went to jail. And they're like, why isn't this guy running our offices in Florida? Because Florida is like the mecca door to door. It's warm all year long. They had like five offices down there. So they, they really wanted me to go there. And... I got offered a promotion to go there and it was going to be my first chance to really make a hundred thousand plus in a year. And just to be totally real, man, I, I grew up pretty poor. I, I grew up in the middle of, of South St. Louis. You know, my mom worked a couple jobs to make sure I didn't have to go to public school. Uh, my dad wasn't around when I was growing up, but we, we grew up pretty poor. Well, the girl I was dating in that time, she grew up on the opposite end of the spectrum. She grew up on a golf course. Her dad drove a Porsche. Her and her mom drove Benzes. And well, when she heard that I got this offer, she told me to pick between her and the job. Well, I, I did what any true hustler is going to do. I, I picked the job. I um, So I went down to Florida, um, building my empire. Um, I'm managing these offices. I, I met a girl. Her and I had a baby. You know how everything's connected on social media now. Everybody sees everything. My ex saw on Facebook that I had a baby with another girl, and she called my probation <laughs> officer and told her I was working out of state because every other month I was flying back and forth for appointments. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was terrible. And um, 
2015, I got extradited from Florida and I actually had to do another six months in jail. That's pretty common. Like, that's one thing I tell a lot of men is make sure no matter what you do, you always focus on yourself first. Because a lot of things, you can avoid a lot of crap in your life, especially as a man, if you just focus on yourself first and, you know, doing what's best for you. Because otherwise, if you let yourself get distracted with women or whatever whatever else it is, you put yourself in positions. Because um, I've done that. It happened to me, too, you know, like certain situations, not regarding jail, but definitely in other positions that I definitely didn't want to be in. Um, that would have not happened if I had just been working on myself and put my own self first, you know? No, absolutely, man. And and change starts from within. And the way to change the world is to change yourself. Most people just got get too caught up on uh, changing the world and, <laughs> and not worried about themselves to start with. So let's move into your mentorship now. You said because uh, it was someone took you under your wing, and then um, which I think mentorship is really important because a lot of us, really, we really don't have a lot of access to mentors. Um, so what I tell a lot of people who don't have that access, you know, like myself, it, it was, you know, books, library, you know, spending time in the library. That, that was a lot of, at the time, I didn't recognize, like, books are mentors. Um, audio, like, especially in this oh, day, really podcasts are, are yeah, um, podcasts are our mentors. You know, you can find anything now on YouTube, or you can find anything you want on anything, any course uh, about anything. You know, in, on the internet, if you really want to find it, you'll find it. Oh, I agree, man. And and honestly, you asked that that question at the perfect time. So when I got out of jail in um, 2015, I ended up reaching out to a guy that uh, became my mentor. He was the person that ran that very first sales company I worked for called 2020 Companies. The guy I was talking about that was on the conference calls just talking about all the insane money he was making. And I found him on Facebook, actually, kind of similar to how I found you. You know, uh, it's probably, maybe it's my MO, what I, how, I, how I do things and level up in life. But uh, I found him on Facebook. I shot him a message and I was like, hey, man, you don't know me and I don't know you. I was one of 2,000 salespeople at his company. But um, it's like, you don't know me and I don't know you, but I just want to say thank you. I just got done doing six months in jail and, you know, I spent the whole time working on personal development. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do big things. And I didn't expect him to answer because this guy is super wealthy. He sold his first company for $150 million. And um, sure enough, he he replied back to me and he's like, hey, bro, we got to talk. So he, he shoots me a cell phone number. I call him. We're talking for like two hours and he's introduced me to vice presidents. We're telling each other stories. just kind of like we've known each other for forever and kind of long story short, he took me under his wing five years ago and he, he's a, a big part of why I've been able to, to build businesses and, and scale them to an even bigger level and kind of, I guess, honing in on the point of mentorship is, is so crucial. Like, yeah, go out and find yourself some good books and some good YouTubes and some good podcasts to follow. But if you truly hone in with what they're saying, find a way to get that person to, to help you directly, you know, and sometimes you got to provide some value to somebody, you know, find out what they need and find out how you can help them. Um, but I will say some of the biggest things I've learned from mentorship was when I've been with my mentor and I've been observing him, and, you know, even multiple mentors, but observing my mentors and seeing the things they do, even when they're not trying to teach me, has been monumental and really just finding ways to level up. You know, I, I like what you said. You said uh, about you just reached out and just asked them, you know, and you, and you didn't expect a reply. But honestly, that's how I've gotten a lot of things in my own life. It's like I see a lot of people, they're scared to just ask people, you know, like, it, they're scared of no and, and it's like this also leads into sales right it's, it's handling rejection you have to handle rejection very well in order to become a really good salesman so one of the things that i encourage a lot of people to do is just you know just ask people you know like they may say no they may say yes but at least the answer by default is is always going to be no unless you ask somebody so even if you think that someone's way above you or, or whatever it is or they're never going to respond ask them anyway who cares like if they don't respond, if they leave you on red or whatever it is, who cares? At least now you know. A lot of the times I've gotten what I've wanted because I just asked and I, and I kept bugging people that sometimes, you know, it wasn't like a completely selfish thing either. It wasn't like I wasn't planning on just taking what I can from them or whatever it was. It, it was, as you said, you know, providing some type of value 
or doing something like that for these people. But I had it in my mind that if they responded, I was going to be, be prepared for them. I was going to do whatever it took. I was going to, you know, just make sure I wasn't just, it wasn't just one side. I was going to make sure, hey, you know, I want us to both win. How can we do this? As you said. So I think that's really cool that you said that. But yeah, man. Uh, moving I, forward, I, like a lot. Uh, I did want to ask you. Um, so what is sales to you? This is this is kind of a basic question. Because um, to me, it's it's uh, influence and it's providing a solution for someone's problem. So what what is sales to you? No, man, I... I think you hit the nail on the head right there. But for me, it's a uh, sales is a business of service. If I'm selling you, I am I am serving you on multiple levels. You know, I'm I'm serving you on the front of where I'm gonna educate you on what I'm doing, and then I'm gonna educate you on why you in particular need this, and then I'm I'm gonna serve you through that whole process of of delivering what I promised you, and then I'm gonna gonna continue to service you after you bought up after you bought, and follow up you and either see how a I can I can service you some more and quote unquote upsell you you know sell you something more, um and then b or maybe help any problems you have hopefully you don't you don't have any problems but if you have problems I want to fix them. Or B, how I can serve some of your friends, your families, people you know, people you know, and and get some referrals. So that's what sales really is to me. It's it's the game of service. Mm, I like that. Man. So in your own evolution, how has your mindset changed on what your idea of sales used to be? You know, from whether it was when you were selling drugs, you said it kind of just sold itself, but then you saw it was a completely different game when you were actually had to sell to people. Um, what was your mindset like then about sales and what is your mindset like now? Like how has your skills in sales progressed and your mindset about what sales is from when you first started to now? Nice, man. So when I, when I first started sales was, uh, was more about me. You know, I, I had to get this money. How could I make it work? And honestly, that, that's when I first started in legit sales. To be real, if we want to throw it back to when I sold drugs. And and, and I will say, honestly, not kind of thinking out loud about it, it has always started with uh, with me. You know, how can I get this money? How can I, how can I get the things I need? How can I get the lifestyle I want? But how I progressed and, and, and truly built things whether it was selling drugs, whether I was going door to door, whether I, you know, whether my company now we sell solar, like the panels on your roof, whether it's that and we're dealing with in-home sales where people schedule appointments with us, it transitioned into being about how can I serve people? Because when I sold drugs, yeah, it started out with, all right, how can I get this money? That That's what peaked it to me. I've always wanted to be rich, you know, just to be 100% honest with everybody, I always wanted to be rich. But then when I, I kind of became more familiar with the drug business, I was I kind of became familiar with the experience of, of buying drugs, you know? So, like, everybody's probably, I mean, I don't want to say everybody because everybody hasn't bought some drugs, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> plenty of people out there have, have bought drugs, whether it's weed or if you do something harder to where you bought it for this sketchy guy, you really didn't want to deal with them or anything like that, but he had what you wanted, so you went and got to him, so... My big thing when I first started selling drugs was, well, I want to be the drug dealer to your friend where you can come over and and it's a it's a good experience to where we chat and say what's up. And then I also want, wanted to provide people with the quality service and experience. You know, when you came to me, you, you knew you were going to get exactly what you paid for as far as uh, the quantity of it, the weight of it. If you paid for a quarter, you were getting seven grams. You probably weren't getting more, but you were getting seven grams exactly. Um, you know, if you if you if I told you my product was top notch, it was top notch, and and my product was, uh, and, and that became the service aspect for people, and that were in the drug business that helped helped me to really grow with it to where a I wanted money. If you if you called me at six a.m., I would wake up to make that money. And then B, I wanted to provide the service to people. You know, you could call me at 6 a.m. And, and get what you needed and you knew it was going to be a good experience along the way. So um, that's a major transition. And, and, and the same thing I, I noticed when I first got into uh, in the door-to-door sales, it started out with, all right, well, I need a job. How can I get this money? 
And and then I kind of I started making a little bit of money, and I, I thought I was a superstar, and I I was I was closing a lot of people still, but then when I kind of had that epiphany again of, all right, well, how can I better provide for these people, my customers, and make this experience even better for them? Is when I was able to take it to the next level. So that that's something pretty cool that you said in there too so basically it was building rapport when you were selling drugs it was kind of like you said hey come over let's chill for a bit let me get you know let's talk hang out and that's that really is building rapport essentially no, so it's that is. It's, <laughs> and asking for referrals that's another one you know and and I'm, I'm doing this because i want the people who are you know whoever listens to this like i said i like working with a lot of people who are who feel like they're starting from the bottom or they're in a certain type of lifestyle maybe they want to get out of it or whatever it is you know i want to help people in all different lifestyles so referrals is definitely another one you said you know like hey if you like this product go you know tell your friends whatever it is obviously when it comes to drugs you kind of want to be a little bit more cautious about who you know <laughs> those referrals but i am not trying to talk to anybody into selling drugs for the record yeah <laughs> yeah and also integrity. Hey, I have a good product. I have a good service. Like if I say this is what it is, this is what it is. And when people see it, you know, it works in business the exact same way as that hustler lifestyle, you know. So really what does. are some, yeah. And, and so what are some uh, of the most essential skills needed to learn, you would say, to become a better salesman? Uh, for example, like we said, handling rejection. Um, another one for me would be state management, you know, like you can't go into a cell and have like this negative mindset or have like the day affecting you because otherwise you're going to convey that in your emotion, in your body language and your tone is going to affect your cell. You, can, you have to have good state management. You can't let your emotions get the best of you. So what other essential skills would you say are needed to become an effective salesman? Man, that's a, uh, a gold mine question right there. So it, I, I think being in sales, it totally starts with, with positivity because positivity relates to your mindset and literally anything we do in life, it goes back to my mindset. So you have to have positivity and it has to be a positive mindset. The, the big thing about that is when people come to you, they don't, they don't care how, how your day's going. Or if you go to people, they don't care how your day's going or how your at-home life is or if the stock you're invested in dropped a little bit. They want a positive experience. People are naturally attracted to positive people and positive things. And everything in life is frequencies and, and vibrations to go on a totally different tangent. But um, if, you're, if you're putting out a positive frequency and a positive vibration just by having a positive mindset and positive attitude, you're naturally going to attract people to you. If, if people are attracted to you, people are naturally going to buy from you. People buy from people that they like and want to be around and people they can consider themselves being friends with. So um, the positive mindset is where it totally starts and, and something you, you honestly have to invest in daily. Um, Zig Ziglar, who you brought up earlier, he, he used to say motivation is like bathing. Uh, you don't oh, yeah. have to, but I recommend you do it daily. <laughs> you know, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. same thing with, with positivity. It's, it, it's like bathing. You need to do it daily. So me personally, the very first thing I do every single morning is psych myself up to get positive. I, I run through positive affirmations for myself and I, I do a meditation so that I can go into that day starting off positive. And the very first thing I do as soon as I get up and it's kind of funny, like when you like I do a lot of social media, like motivational videos and sales videos and stuff like that. And there's always a hater. And uh, I remember one time saying like positivity is a, the most important thing that you need to do first thing in the morning. And obviously some hater chimes in. He's like, well, actually, what you what you need to do is hydrate first thing in the morning because you haven't drank all night. And I'm like, yeah, man, you obviously drink up, you wake up and you drink your fucking glass of water. But let, let's not diminish the value of being positive first thing in the morning. And I'll go as far to say, unless you're in a third world country <laughs> or you can't get water, positivity first thing in the morning might be more important than actually having some water. So um, mm -hmm. I don't want to drive home positivity too much but I, I don't think you can drive it home too much so it starts with positivity the next one is you you have to have work ethic man 
whenever I get around top performers, millionaires, multimillionaires, people that sell companies for million of do- millions of dollars, they are, are willing to work hard. They're, they're generally the person that is willing to outwork every single person in the room. And that's how I've been successful anywhere I've been is to where I go into a room, I, I see what the top producers doing, I see what kind of work they're doing, I see the type of hours they're putting in, and I, I find a way to put in more hours and outwork them. And, and it all goes back to that work ethic, man. You know, you can be bigger than me, stronger than me, faster than me, but you will not outwork me. I will outwork you day and night. You'll never out hustle, hustle me. That's why I call myself the head hustler. Other hustlers, they they come to me when they when they need help with their hustle. But it, it comes down to that work ethic because if you're willing to put that value in, you're you're you know if your your competition's sleeping and you're putting in some hours, well, boom, you're already winning. If they chalked up the day and you're still going, well, boom, you're winning even some more. So it's very important that we have that work ethic and, and we're willing to, willing to go that extra mile and do those things if you're truly wanting to be successful in sales. And, and maybe you're somebody that wants to be home at four o'clock every day or two o'clock every day. Cool. Well, like either retire because you made a ton of money or go get yourself that nine to two job where you can you can be home. But but sales probably isn't for you. You have to have that that work ethic and that drive to, to constantly want to go to the next level. And the final thing that kind of pieces together with work ethic is self-education. A lot of people, you know, you, you tell them that, oh yeah, you go to college and, and they'll take out a couple hundred thousand or a hundred thousand, whatever it is in, in, in student loans. But then you're like, oh, well, there's this, this sales training program or this marketing program that could teach you a, a bunch for 50 bucks a month. And they're like, whoa. And, and and they don't they don't they don't want to invest in that self education. But as I stated earlier, man, like when I was in jail and like you know literally all, all I had to do was play poker and self educate. Like it was on it was, I don't want to say it was a great time because it was shitty, but like it was a great it was a great time because, <laughs> because I, I I love poker and I love self education. Uh, I just don't want to do it under under those means. But if you if you love self education and put it into it and you stay learning. You, you're gonna you're gonna get ahead of everybody else because there, there's so much information out there and a lot of it's free you know like I say 50 bucks a month but there's plenty of free content out there like this podcast to where you can get in and just dive into somebody's mind and, and learn how to apply it to your life but you have to self-educate and just some steps that I, I even take as a salesperson to self-educate is I, I follow podcasts like this you know I, I read books every single day. I have Audible on my phone for audiobooks. And when I take a shower every single morning, hands down, 365 days a year, I put on an audiobook because I get an extra 20 minutes of of self education every day that my competition might not be getting. And that kind of goes back to the work ethic. You know, I'm willing to outwork my competition. Or I, I drive around the country a lot, opening up sales offices. I, I do listen to the, to some some gangster rap every now and then. I'm I'm old school, but mm-hmm. uh, a lot of times I'm listening to audiobooks. You know, I can crush through a 13 hour audiobook if I'm driving across the country and driving around a city when I get there. So self education is it's monumental. You, you have to do it. is It's necessary if you want to be a top salesperson. And those are the three things I would I would hit on positivity, work ethic, and self-education. I like that, man, especially about the self-education part because a lot of people, like, for example, I'll hear often, uh, well, I have 10 years' experience in this this, uh, this field or whatever. And it's like that really doesn't mean anything because it's like you could have, you know, learned something in the very beginning when you first started and just been doing that same thing over and over for 10 years. That doesn't mean you've gotten better. It just means you've been doing the same thing for 10 years. Have you actually oh, exactly. taken the time to, to, yeah, take classes to, to self-educate, like you said, read books, read, you know, listen to podcasts, um, to learn more about what you're doing and how to get better at what you're doing, which actually is, is a good uh, segue to, to my next question I wanted to ask you. Uh, what is the most common problems you have seen with salespeople? For example, that would be one of them, like um, just going into sales and just kind of having no presentation, having no system, having no whatever it is, and just thinking, 
well, let me just, you know, say, hey, you, you want to buy this? <laughs> and, that, and that's like people sell, you know, they're, they're uh, one of the sales problems I've seen. Uh, what other common problems in sales have you seen? Oh, for sure, man. So obviously fundamentals are, uh, are, 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 are very important. You have to have your fundamentals down as far as your process, your follow-up process. You, you got to know your closes, all that good stuff. But when it really comes down to it, and I, I know I keep kind of honing in on it, but a lot of it is work ethic. Like a lot of people get into sales and they they hear about the money in sales and they're like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I'm, I, there's people making $100,000 a year, but they don't really realize the work that goes in to making $100,000 a year and that, you know, most people I know, they make 100000 a year plus, and I, I know people that make all the way up to multiple million, millions of years, but million per year. But the majority of them are working more than 40 hours a week. So if you're getting into sales and thinking it's a 40 hour a week job, you got a rude awakening. You know, it's not a nine to five job. It's like I said, it's a, a job of service. So you have to serve your clientele when they need it. Maybe your clientele needs you to serve them at 8 p.m. Maybe they need you to serve them at 9 a.m. Maybe they need you to serve them during lunch. You're going to answer that fucking phone call if you're serious about your money. So work ethic is is super, super crucial in sales. And, and then the, the other the other big thing or big mistake I know that people make in, in sales is they plateau. You know, like with sales, when you get good at it, you're good. You know, like when you, when you first start out working in sales and let's use – 50,000 a year is the benchmark because I, I kind of feel like that's the uh, the the position that or the 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 point where a lot of people start, you know, they they, they say, that, yeah, this, this is decent money. I, I think, you know, anything under 100,000 really isn't decent, but um, we'll, we'll start it at 50,000 because I remember I, I was feeling great making 50,000 a year. So when you first get in the sales, maybe you're only used to making 35 to 40,000 a year. Well, you 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 first start out and you're working 60 hours a week and you're able to make 55 to 60,000 a year and it feels great. Well, then you get good at sales and instead of working 8 hours a day and working four and a half, five hours a day, you're able to work able to make 50, 55,000 a year. Well, that's where a lot of people plateau because they're used to only making 35, 40, 40,000 a year. Well, now they can work less and make more. And so they, they get super comfortable in that niche to where like, yeah, I've, I put the time in to become good at sales by putting my sweat equity in. I put in the work ethic. I've learned my product. I've learned the, the specific system for this particular thing or company I'm doing. Well, now I'm going to coast. And the problem with coasting is sure. That, that works great when, when all cylinders are clicking and the stars are lining up for you. Well, in reality, sales is peaks and valleys. So when those valleys come, if you've been coasting, the valleys are going to go deeper. But if you've been steadily going hard and, and doing the things you're supposed to as far as work ethic, positivity, self-education, there's going to be valleys hands down. It just happens. But the valleys aren't going to go as deep and when you shoot out of the valleys, you're going to go even higher. So did you, do you think it's important for salespeople to use and love their product or service that they're selling? Because I definitely know a lot of people who feel like I'm a salesman, I can be able to sell anything. But I think it's really important to be able to really like what you're selling, you know, fall in love with what you're selling and stuff like that. Do you think it's important or not? Man, I I agree a hundred and ten percent. Like I'm a salesman, man. If I want, I can sell anything and make a little bit of money off it. But for me to make a lot of money, which I want to do, I have to be truly passionate and, and believe in, in what I'm doing. So I remember when I sold um, AT and T, we suggested everybody have AT and T in their home. And then when I I started selling CenturyLink, the house we moved into down in Florida. It had Comcast, the competition included in it. Well, we canceled the Comcast in order to CenturyLink because we were going to have what we sold. If you want to 
truly be passionate about what you're doing, you, you got to have it. When we were selling cable, I knew the ins and the outs and the little question that that random customer might ask me about how the DVR works. I knew it because I used it at home. And it, it's the same thing with anything. It, you should have what you sell uh, 110%. I think that was another key that you just said. It's really knowing your product. And that's a lot of things that I, uh, one of the things that I like doing whenever I move into a new, whether whether I'm selling a new uh, service or new product, whatever it is, I like studying what I'm selling before I do it because I hate, you know, when I'm presenting something and then the customer asks, well, what about this? And does it have this? I'm like, um, hold on, let me, uh, let me Google this real quick. And then let me tell you, <laughs> you know, it's like I I hate doing that. So that's definitely another key. No, it's really get it. getting to know, yeah, getting to know your product and service really intimately. Um, there's another thing people struggle with, and I think uh, it's good to talk about too. It's uh, handling objections. A lot of people kind of quit, you know, during their first. Uh, no, I'm good. Or I just need some time to think about it. Thank you though. Um, how? What is a good way that you built that up? How do you handle objections? What is your method or your system of handling objections? Man, that's a uh, a truly great question because I mean objections happen in sales. You're you're gonna hear a lot more no's than what you what you hear in, as far as yeses. So, um, kind of throw a little a little super secret trick that I do with my guys out there in, in the door to door field is what what I'll I'll use a frame of reference point here, and it it works whether you're in a call center or anything where you have to take notes on on who you're contacting but um you know like i said we hear no's a lot more than you hear yes or not interested or whatever their their form of no is so a lot of people they got this this tracking system that they're using all the way down and it's like no no not interested whatever it is well what we do is we put a smiley face by all the no's so psychologically looking at a smiley face makes you feel a lot better than, than looking at a bunch of no's are not interested. And then if customers look down at our paper we're taking notes on, they see a list full of smiley faces. So automatically they assume th those are the people that, that, that we had signed up. Now, the thing about door-to-door -door too, going a little bit deeper out, outside of mindset at least, is, and it's very true in door-to-door -door and in other sales, you probably won't go this deep, but in door to door, we go seven to eight nose deep. So you're going to tell me no seven to eight times before I leave your porch. And unless I feel like there's a good reason to leave sooner, which is not that often, but a lot of people aren't comfortable having somebody tell them no that many times and continue to push it because it's our, our psychology based on the society that we live in now, you know, as a whole, humans want to live in a, a pleasant atmosphere. They they want people around them to like them, and we know it. We like you know we know when somebody doesn't get, or we know we don't like when somebody gets pushy with us. Well, when they're in a sales situation, subconsciously or even consciously, on sometimes you think, oh, this person doesn't like me getting pushy with them. But the thing is, you as a salesperson, it kind of goes back to even having your own product. You need to know what you have, the product, the service, whatever it is this person needs in their life. So you're not being pushy. You're trying to help that person. It even goes back to what I said about service. So when you go into these objections, you have to, to, to know in your heart that, yeah, this person's objecting right now, but they, they truly don't know why it's in their best interest to do this. And I, I have to keep pushing through these objections because who am I? What kind of person am I if I know that this is the best for you and I don't I don't urge you to get it. You know, if any of my friend if my if my friend came to me and was like, I want to be a doctor, but uh and, and then they're they're looking at going to some shitty med school opposed to the best med school just because maybe the teacher's good looking or something like that. I'm gonna be like, whoa, bro, I, and I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell my ass off. I'm gonna be like, man, you do not need to do this. You're throwing away hundreds of dollars, just hundreds of thousands of dollars, just because you're attracted to the teacher. Go, go to this, uh, this college over here with the ogre that teaches, and uh, and you know you're gonna be more successful. And I, I really push them, and I, I take that same passion to my customers. Of, 
I'm, I'm, I don't care how many times you object. I know this is the best for you. And for whatever reason, you don't understand that. So I'm going to figure it out. And that, that kind of leads to my next point of when we're, when we get in objections, a lot of sales people, man, and you know, you, you, a lot, there's a lot of good sales trainers out there and maybe the company you work at has a great sales trainer, but these sales trainers, they, they give you what works for them and they give you a canned response that, that should work every now and then. And if you fire it out every single time, sure, you're, you're going to get a few of them, but the key to selling and overcoming objections is truly listening to people. If you listen to people and you hear their objection and you internalize it and you truly know your product, you'll be able to offer a solution to that objection that makes them realize that that wasn't really just an objection. And it, it was just something I was uneducated on. When people are objecting to your product or service, assuming your your product or service is A1, they're either saying, they're not really saying no. They're, they're saying, no, I, I don't know enough about this product or service, or uh, no, I just don't like the way it was presented to me. But if you can figure out how to get around those, you, you can get around any objection. Yeah, I, I like that because what I say a lot is objections are really a smokescreen for uncertainty. And in sales, you want to convey certainty. Like the more certain you can make a prospect or a client, the more apt they are to buy from you. So when someone says, oh, hey, I, I got to think about it or whatever whatever objection they give you, it really is saying, hey, I'm uncertain about something about it. Maybe it's about you. Maybe it's about your product. Maybe it's about the company you work for or something. So I, I like making those people, I like kind of looping back and making those people feel certain, you know, like we were talking about in uh, Jordan Belfort's, uh, you know, straight line system before we talked about this. So that was one thing. And then there was another common um, mistake I see a lot of uh, salespeople make. And that's when they're saying features or whatever it is about a product or service that they're selling. I kind of see them just kind of listing all the stuff that they see on a paper that they read instead of actually gathering intelligence specifically on what it is the customer is looking for. Because if you are kind of just saying, hey, you know, it has this feature, it has this, it has that, it can do this, but the customer or the, or the prospect only wants, you know, this certain feature, that's the only thing they care about, but you're listing like, you know, all these whatever different things, it's like you're kind of already losing the sale from, from the start. So, th so that was another common uh, mistake I see with a lot of salespeople. Do you, do you agree with that or, or what do you think? Oh, I, I agree a hundred percent, man. People, uh, like I said, they, they just kind of regurgitate things and they, they, they don't internalize it and put it on specifically what's going to help that person. I wanted to ask, when do you leave a prospect? When is it like after objections or whatever it is, uh, when is it you specifically leave? Because I see for a lot of times uh, for myself, you know, like you were talking about earlier, like that pushy salesman guy. There's a difference between a guy who is trying to just convince you because he wants to make money off of you and a guy who is really like looking for your best interest. And my guess is obviously you are definitely trying to sell something, um, you know, with their best interest in mind and you're actually trying to help them out and solve their problem. But for you, when is it that that you would decide, okay, hey, you know, maybe this guy really doesn't want the product or maybe I should just move on from uh, to someone else instead of waste my time on this one. When does that look, what does that look like for you? That's a great question, man. So for me in particular, like I said, like if I'm in a door-to-door -door situation, I, I generally take people seven to eight nose deep. It, it might vary in, in other situations, but so if I'm going to walk away from somebody, I'm going to have to either in my heart know what I am selling isn't going to help them or B, run into a situation to where, all right, that's a legit objection. Let me, let me follow up with you. For example, like maybe you're moving and like so I'm doing something with your home, but you're interested in doing it in your new home. Well, cool. I'll, I'll follow up to you in a couple weeks or maybe just flat out. I can't get you to make the decision with, without the spouse. All right, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to follow up with you in a couple of weeks. Um, 
you know, maybe it's a credit issue and you can't do it. And we got to find somebody to co-sign with you. Uh, I'm going to follow up with you when we can do that. So it's, it's really got to be a situation to where I know that it's not bullshit and you're just kind of uncomfortable with making the decision today to where you, you legit can't make the decision today. And, and there are times to where, yeah, I know it's bullshit and I'll, I'll let them off the hook right now knowing I can follow up with them. And, and that kind of comes with experience and, and, and reading a person and, and reading the sales process and just being like, all right, this person here, they're legit not going to pull the trigger today. I need to hit them up tomorrow or the next day and I'll, I'll send them some more information about it, a, a blog, a YouTube video, whatever it is on what we do. And, and then I'll try to close again. But that particular demographic is, is very few and, and far between. But, uh, yeah, that's really what it takes for me to, to be willing to walk away from somebody, man. I always tell my, my door-to-door people, when I'm at your door, you're either going to buy or tell me to go fuck myself. Like, I'm going to keep pushing <laughs> because I, I know if I'm, if I'm pushing that deep, I know what we have is best for you. You know, at the root of that question, really, for me, it was because I know a lot of influencers now, they kind of are encouraging for their salesman to be nonstop in what they do. Like no matter what, no matter how many times somebody tells you no to just keep doing it and doing it. And in my opinion, I just I just get irritated with that. Like I shouldn't have to fucking be, you know, harassed by salesmen. So for me it's kinda like it goes back to as you said, it's kind of reading the situation. It does come with experience. But I'm definitely not going to fucking keep, you know, like, okay, you blocked me on this, so let me try to hit up you on email. Okay, you blocked me on email. Let me try to hit you up on on this new thing. It's like, all right, I'm just I'm gonna leave you alone like, like I, do you do you like that process because i see that a lot like influencers kind of pushing their salespeople to just no matter what they say no matter how many times they block you just you know keep going until you get to sell no what man i i don't train anybody to go that hard like if, if you block me i'm done like there, there's a million other people out there to sell to um i i think you you should push it to that point if you truly know what you have is best for somebody, then yeah, push it to the point where they're blocking you. But like, if they block you or you know, or block you or told you to go fuck yourself, you tell me to go fuck myself, I'm done at that point in time too. But um, if they're blocking you, it's time to move on. There's somebody else out there that you could push your put your energy into that will actually benefit from what you're doing. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because, man, I'm still getting emails from some people. I, I've already, like, blocked some companies and stuff. I'm like, dude, like, can you, can you get the hint? Just leave me alone. So I, I don't encourage that either. I'm like, just leave people alone. But um, closing is another part of sales. I know people can struggle with. There there are definitely some good salesmen that can get to the end of their presentations or their deal, but they can't seem to close. What tips would you give people to becoming a better closer? Man, I, I love that question, and I, I'm glad you saved it for the end because uh, my favorite aspect of the of the sale is closing. Like when um, when I first got in the sales, they they were they're recommending books to me, this and that, and like they were at, recommending all these motivational books, this and that, success books, and it's cool. I I love those books, but. I've always had the motivation. Like I, I've always wanted to be rich. So like I wasn't interested in that when it first got it pushed on me. What what the books that interested me were the sales books. So the after I, I I read actually the very first success book I ever read was Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. But outside of that, the next year or two, every single book I read was actually a sales book. And uh, so I, I really started just studying sales very early in my career. Like I was in college and my, my very first manager, the guy that taught me to sell, he taught me to go door to door. He was always like, when I'd, I'd have a problem, he'd be like, you just got to close them, man. Just close them. And I, and I heard other people say that, but nobody ever told me what the fuck a close was. So, <laughs> so like, I was like, you know, like, yeah, they tell me to close them, but like, I, I don't know how to close them. So what I really dug into is I want to learn every single close out there and, and I really want to study closing. So I, I, I studied, like I bought Zig Ziglar's book on closing, Brian Tracy's book on closing, the art of closing the sale and uh, a bunch of other books on closing. And 
and really dove into their particular closes. So, I mean, if you are somebody that's struggling with closes, closes, go get a book on closing. It, it'll really teach you the, the fundamentals of closing. Um, and then, you know, obviously you might not use their clothes word for word. A lot of them you honestly can or are close to it, tailor fitted to what you do. But you'll you'll learn the fundamentals, fundamentals of it. But the the biggest thing about closing is a close is just asking for the sale. Like I meet so many salespeople and especially like rookie salespeople to where they come back and they're like, yeah, this person was super interested, this, this, and this, and they're, they're going to call me tomorrow and we're going to do it then. And that person never calls you tomorrow, but mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, we're going to do this and this. Then I was like, well, I mean, did you, did you see if we could maybe just sell them today and, and install it next week? And they're like, well, no, they, they said they wanted to do it tomorrow. Well, if, if, if they said they wanted to do it tomorrow and you never, or, you know, they wanted you to come back tomorrow to talk about doing it and you never asked them to do it today. Well, you didn't ask for the sale. So you, you have to ask for the sale. So, you know, like when I'm, uh, uh, when I'm, I'm, I'm running through a sales process with somebody, you know, I'll, I'll go through everything. I, I assume, I assume the sale, I assume the close. I'll, I'll be like, so, I mean, it's what, what weekdays or, or, or weekends be better for you guys to do this. And, you know, some people will be like, whoa, 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 I, I, I didn't say I was ready to do this yet. Oh, oh, no big deal. I, I would just wonder, but well, why wouldn't she be ready to do it? So I'm able to put the ball back in their court and take it a little bit deeper and find out the root of their objection and then circle back and close again. You know, so, I mean, are you guys around more in the mornings or afternoons? And it's like, whoa, 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 I, I, I got to think about this. Well, I mean, you, you said you wanted to know X, Y, and Z. What more do you have to think about? And I said, well, I, 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 I got to talk to my spouse about it. Hey, I, I totally understand me and my spouse. You know, we talk about everything, but I know a fact, for a fact that she came home and I told her I did X, Y, and Z and it benefited us because of ABC. She's going to be pretty proud of me. I'm, I'm sure your, your spouse would feel the same way, right? Yeah, she probably would. Cool, let's do this. And so uh, that's the big thing with closing is you, you really have to listen to people you got to push through it and, and you have to ask for the business and you can't be afraid to ask for the business multiple times. Yeah. I, I like that because that goes into what we said earlier. Like just asking, you get so much in life just by asking and going so after true. it, you know? So other than that, there is a one uh, last question. I like asking everybody that comes on. So what is success to you? And what are your specific keys to success that you felt have the most effect in your own life? Man, so to me, success is just living the, my life the way I want to do it. You know, being able to spend time the, the time with my family that I want to spend, being able to have the things I want to have, being able to do the, the things I want to do, and being able to help the people I want to help. Um. That, that's really what success is for for me at its core. Now, as far as uh, what I attribute to me being successful, is just whatever it takes. You know what? That that's actually our, our company motto is we, we do whatever it takes to be successful. So like, you know, it, it, I gotta be here at the office at nine o'clock tonight to get something done. I'm gonna do it. It's whatever it takes. I gotta come in on a Sunday to get stuff done. I'm gonna do it. it. It's whatever it takes. I'm I'm gonna drive two hours that I have to to meet with a client to get that deal. I I live by whatever it takes. So I mean, I I think with if you truly want to be successful, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. I like that, man. That's perfect. And uh, lastly. You also are dropping a podcast uh, tonight, I believe, correct? Yeah, we'll be going live tonight on Apple. I'm super excited about it. Awesome, man. If you would like to tell people more about that and also where to find you, uh, it's all yours. The floor is all yours. Awesome. Thanks, man. So my podcast is called Sales Tales. My last name is Sales, Andrew Sales, S-A-Y-L-E-S. So uh, on my podcast, I bring on a lot of business people, entrepreneurs, business owners, and we get down the the low down and gritty stories that people have about their success or their sales stories or how they leveled up 
and we really give people a chance to to dive into their mindset. Um, so that's where you can find me. Otherwise, I'm, I'm on Facebook, Andrew Sales, S-A-Y-L-E-S. Same thing on LinkedIn. My brand's Hustlers Anonymous. If you look up the hashtag, uh, I'm probably all over it. Or come check out Sales Tales or my company. Or we're a solar company, Solus Energy Services. Solus, S-O-L-I-S, Energy, E-N-E-R-G-Y, Services, S-E-R-V-I-C-E-S.com. You can always find me there and uh, check out what my company's doing. I love it, man. Everybody else, I hope you enjoyed this episode and check out uh, this guy's podcast, which will be dropping tonight. And uh, you can check out the rest of my podcast episodes as well if you like. And uh, thanks again and talk to you soon.